You may be seated. Thank you very much, Brother Shores. It's said. I certainly deem this a grand privilege to be here tonight in the this first assembly of God again to fellowship around the Word of God with you fine people to be with our precious brother Shore again and uh, and all the brethren that we have met through the week and we've had a really a grand time these last two weeks. <coughs> I don't know as I have ever in years ever had a better time than I have this week of fellowshipping with the brethren around through this Maricopa Valley, all the way from Mesa down and down to Tucson, which is Jerusalem, of course, on the hill. And we're glad to visit with our brethren here in Jericho, see, down here in the, down at the bottom of the hill. <clears throat> Just wondered how that was going to go. <clears throat> and so um, when I was here many years ago, that was always an arrival between uh, Tucson and Phoenix. So I just thought of that the other day. You know, they teased me about holding up for Tucson. And so uh, I thought about, well, it's on the hill and Jericho's in the valley, you know. So I thought that would just be a good one. <laughs> well, um we catch Mr. in between and the one coming down. <laughs> we want to work on him. Now, it's been a grand time, as I repeat, and we've certainly enjoyed ourselves immensely. Now, we are great, waiting with great anticipation for this coming convention starting tomorrow night. We're expecting a great time. And in this, I have tried to lay and my humble way of doing it, a foundation, kind of get a stir among the people for the revival that's coming up. And now we got some wonderful speakers coming up in this revival. It's uh, at hand now. Brother um, Velma Gardner and, and some Methodist brother that's supposed to be an outstanding speaker. And then for that great final... A wrap at it all is our precious brother Oral Roberts for next uh, Monday night. And I trust that God will give the brethren such messages that will send Phoenix to its knees a-trembling in the fear of God. And we've tried hard this week to, to lay a foundation for that. Uh, the soon appearing of the Son of God. And I... And believing and have been teaching that altogether possible that he could come in this generation now, even this night. We just don't know when it's going to be, but we want to be so prepared that when it does come, we will go with him in the rapture. It's been a great time. I've been preaching these strong messages about His coming and trying to lay out the, the possibilities and the hour that we're now living in and how that everything, to my opinion, my humble opinion, is just in condition for the coming of the Lord, the rapture, the next thing. And all 
that lacks could happen within an hour. I believe uh, many, I don't know just how many, but several of the outstanding prophecies pertaining to the fulfillment of the coming of the Messiah and what He would do was fulfilled in the last seven hours at the cross. How they pierced my side and my, not a bone was broken and, and uh, He cried, My God, why has Thou forsaken me? And the great prophecies, they just happened one, two, three, four, just like that. Just in an hour or two apart. Now, that could happen the same way at His return. And we must be alert, waiting. Last evening, I thought we had a grand time down at, uh, at the uh, Assembly of God south of here. I believe Southside, maybe it's called Southside Assembly. I met a fine brother that I had not met before in the journey, as I remember. But a precious uh, brother and a fine group of people. And we spoke on there last night uh, a message of, uh, of uh, having him as an oasis, a place remembering him, what all he had done. When we come together, sitting around in heavenly places in Christ, and uh, to remember the things that he did and the things that he promised to do, how he promised he would meet with us wherever two or three were assembled in His name, and there He would be among us. Then I thought the sovereignty of God was so marvelously displayed when He came right down among us and proved Himself that He was there with us again. That just makes it foolproof that we are near the end. And those things He promised to do right at the end, and we see it facing us now, I presume maybe that most people here are, are saved people, and we are the ones who are praying and putting forth our effort now for the coming convention, and we must press with all that's in us and do everything we can. Be sure that we speak to every sinner during the time of this convention. Approach every businessman and every unsaved person, those without Christ, Without the Holy Spirit, we want to approach them with a message, with a sane, solid gospel approach to the people. Let our lives be so salty that others can watch the way we act and live, that they'll want to live that way too. You know, Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth. But if the law of salt has lost its testimony, its, uh, its Savior, its drawing power... Then it can no more heal or save. Salt saves when it contacts, and we must we must uh, be God's contact. We are His point of contact, as Brother Roberts many times refers to putting his hand on the radio or something for a point of contact. Now you may hear me talking a little funny tonight, but last three or four nights I've had to take my upper voice. <laughs> Uh, uh, the other ones wore out. <laughs> so uh, I'm talking up high more from top of my mouth. It's uh, not a put-on, but I've got to do it to keep the bottom part from hurting. You know, God kind of makes us in a way where if one part wears down, we can catch another. Someone, someone you know, a reserve. And 
Someone asked me some, one time, said, how can you walk so hard through the mountains and so forth? I said, well, I learned that a little technique long years ago from the Indians. See, you can walk with your knees. Don't use much your hip. Let your hips rest. Then walk with your hip in the stride and let your knees rest. You see, So just rest and walk, rest and walk, rest and walk. That's where you preach with the upper and then the lower and the upper and lower. That one rest. Oh, God made a wonderful thing when He made a man. You know why? It was in His image that He made man. And so, what more could be more wonderful than God? Now, I've been preaching so much on the on the coming of Christ in this age. I thought maybe it would be a good thing tonight to kindly settle down on some of these things I've been talking about and bring the, the seriousness of the condition of this day into our presence by the gospel and see how we are ourselves are fitted for this hour. How do we know this may be the last convention these businessmen will ever have? You know, this may be the last night that the First Assembly of God and all the rest of the churches throughout the country will be open. Tomorrow it could happen, they're all closed. We don't know. This may be the last time the Bible's read to this audience. So let us just kind of check up tonight and see where we're at for this seriousness for a little while. And then we are going to go um, try to get through early so we can let the people out, not hold you. I made a little rude remark this week that uh, I'd keep you long through the nighttime if I... No, just to miss a day's work, that won't hurt you. But I said, Saturday night now. Can't keep you long at all because you can't miss Sunday school. You must be there at your post of duty. So now, I won't keep you long tonight because I certainly want you there tomorrow night. That's what we've been driving for this great time. And now, pray for all those brethren who are going to speak. Pray that God will anoint His messengers. And that last night with Brother Oral, he's been chosen for that final capping off of all of it. And I think of that last time like it was the last day of the feast when Jesus stood and cried at the temple. Oh, may we hear it again. May God cry out to us and call us to His side. Gather in the church is redeemed His bride that He's so graciously purchased with His own blood. And we're praying for that end. Now, we're going to look to the Lord just now in prayer before we approach His Word because, you know, the Word is of no private interpretation. So I, I just like for the author to reveal it and keep out of it, you know, just so that we can, we can believe that He's doing it. So let us bow our heads just now. And, and when we bow our heads, let's bow our hearts also. Just bow our hearts to God. Now with our heads and hearts bowed, is there a request in your heart tonight, my fellow citizen of the kingdom, my pilgrim brother, you who are sojourning here in Phoenix and and other places that we've gathered in this lovely little church tonight to worship Him, is there a request that you would like God to know about? Hold it in your mind and just raise up your hand and say, Lord, let it be me now tonight. Uh, I have a, a desperate need. 
I mean, he, I know he'll see it. He'll hear it. He'll answer it. Our Heavenly Father, we are approaching Thee by faith now. We are joining ourselves together, putting our prayers as one person. By faith, we're leaving here at 11th and Garfield, and we're climbing up by faith beyond the moon and stars, up the Milky White Way, on in and beyond scenes of this earth. On to the presence of God, and there on the altar where the sacrifice is laying, and the cherubims and seraphims are flying over the altar of God, crying, Holy. Oh, what a place to stand! But with this written word by the Son of God, that if we ask the Father anything in His name, He'll grant it to us, and there He sits with His bloody garments. The price has been paid that we, the unworthy, can approach Him. Well, as sons and daughters, after we've accepted Christ as our Savior, and we pray, Heavenly Father, tonight, first to pardon our iniquity and all that we've done and said that was not just right in Your sight. And God, we know that's innumerable things that we have did. Have mercy upon us, God, for we are not just speaking these things to be heard, but we are, are speaking these things in, in love and, and reverence and in faith that God will hear us and answer our prayers for others and ourselves. You know what was behind each hand, the objective and the motive. Lord, spread forth your great holy wings as it was tonight. And may your august presence be so felt among us tonight that we'll fear. God, we want to know just our standing place now. We're checking up, taking inventory of our lives. It might be just before the rapture, the call away. And we are anticipating this coming meeting uh, over at uh, the Ramada tomorrow night. And we want to check our own lives tonight and see where we are short so that we'll be instruments in our hand, clay molded and shaped by the God of heaven that we might be able to anticipate in this great event that it's coming to pass that we're putting forth for no other cause but for the kingdom's sake and the glory of God. Bless our feeble efforts of the weak, Lord, trying to stir amongst the people the realization of the hour we're living. Speak to us tonight as through the reading of the Word, and may you take the text and and reveal the context in the way that the Holy Spirit would have us to know it. And all praise shall be thine, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. As many people like to kind of keep down texts and thinking of times they like to refer back to it, and many times ministers, like I do myself, we, we keep a text down sometimes to... Uh, refer to it. Some minister spoke on it, and we some little thought uh, caught our mind, and we like to refer back to it sometimes to say, "Well, that's uh, uh, I seen something while they were saying it." 
That's all right. Now we want to read tonight in the Bible out of the book of the Philippian letter. Paul writing to the Philippians. And the second chapter, 5 to 8, we'd like to read this for our text. While you read with us or give us your undivided attention as we endeavor to read it. Uh, while you're turning to your place in the Scripture, I'd like to say it's been granted me, your brother, the privilege of speaking this coming Sunday afternoon at the convention. It's my intention of being there now the rest of the week and setting out somewhere in the audience or somewhere listening and filling up and feeding my own soul uh, on the Word of God as our brethren will bring it in the testimonies of the businessman. And uh, I'm hoping to see you all there. The uh, meeting's on the afternoon, so the churches will be closed all around you. You'll be more than welcome to come. We're expecting you. That and every other meeting. Now, in Philippians 2, 5, we read, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. May the Lord add his blessings to the reading of his word. Now, I would like to take for a few minutes of your time on a, what I would call or like to say a text called identification, identifying, identified in the likeness of Bible characters, being identified in the likeness of Bible characters. And tonight, as I have thought in approach to this, after we have this week been talking of His coming and how that the church should make itself ready. Today, as I sat in the room, I had something upon my mind I wanted to speak on tonight. The supreme sacrifice, but seemed the Holy Spirit seemed to kind of move me sideways from that, over into another channel of thinking. All ministers knows what that is. You, you think you've got something you want to say, and then all of a sudden you feel that you should say something else. Maybe contrary. Maybe it's just for one person. I don't know, but I'm old enough in Christ to know to follow the leading of the Spirit. What the Spirit says, do, do it. And I'm sure tonight that we ought to find ourselves somewhere in some character of the Bible so that we would know the outcome of that character and know what our outcome will be. It reminds me of a little story I heard one time of uh, a lady had brought her little boy from, from out in the country somewhere that they lived into the city to, to uh, visit uh, his grandmother. And the little boy living back in my part of the country, in Kentucky, the country means in a log house somewhere with small clapboard shingles on it. And so 
Our mara at home was a piece of a mara tacked on a tree where outside where there's a little wash bench built on the tree by the pitcher pump where dad would pump the water and wash his hands and piece of mara there. And I've seen mama stand out there and comb her hair because there's no mara in the house. And this little lad must have been raised in such a home. And when he came down to visit his grandmother, she had a, a door that on the back side of it was a mara. And the little lad was kind of lonesome and he was looking all around the house and after a bit, he happened to look through the door and it had been closed since he'd come in and, and the mare on his side, he saw a little boy and he started to the little boy to make friends with him. And as he began to look into this glass, he got up close and he turned around and he said, why, Mama, that's me. And that's what we want to look at tonight. I want to look at me. And I want you to look at yourself. And as we look into God's great mirror of His Word, let's our, be able to identify ourselves with some that we're going to speak about. Some of the characters of other times. Uh, I want to see myself. And, I, and God's looking glass, because if anything will show you where you're standing, it's this book. <laughs> There's no book like it, because it is all truth. I don't say that other books are not true, but I, I know this one's true. <laughs> it's all truth, because it's the Word of God. Now, Jesus gave us the example of what we ought to be looking at when He reflected His life to us through the Word. What we should see when we look into God's mirror, we should see ourselves identified with Him. That is a perfect example. Now, but we find out that as we go along through life, that our character molds the image that we are. Each one knows that. You, as you live, so is your character molds you to what you are. Now, you have seen people that you just love to be around, yet they might not exactly be in, in your bracket of society. And again, they might be of a different race, uh, the colored or the brown or the yellow, but there's just something about that character that you just love to be in their presence because each person is a, a little dynamo of their own. And you, you put out an atmosphere. And then you see people that were noble people, but yet you were always glad to get away from them. It's just they, they create such an atmosphere around where you are. Nothing against them. They're nice people, but you just don't like that atmosphere they they're, they're in. And their character creates whatever they are. Makes them what they are. When God looked upon His lost creation, after He had made it and fashioned it just the way He wanted it, and I, I like to look at it in its uh, origination. 
I love the outdoors because there are, that must be the way he wants it or he wouldn't have it made that way. And we come around and pervert it and make something out of it that doesn't please him. But his loving character uh, molded God seeing that his, that his uh, great plan and creation uh, of mankind to inhabit the earth and to live in peace and never to die, never to be sick or have a heartache or any weary. Oh, what a, what a way that the Father provided for us. And that was His, that was his desire to, for us to be in that way. He didn't desire us to be in a dying shape as we are. This and the, the condition that the world is in today is never the desire of God. He didn't mean that at all. But when he seen that his creation had, had fallen, now his own loving character molded himself into the person of Christ. God's own character of love projected himself in the man, Christ. As Paul speaking here, thinking not robbery, but making himself equal, equal to God, rather. See, his own character molded that kind of a person. Oh, no one could ever do that but God. This was done so that he could pay the penalty of the fall of his creation. See, there must be something save this creation and nothing could save it because the highest species of his creation had fallen and everything under it fell with it because it fell. There's only one thing left that did not fall and that was God, the heavens. So something of the heavens had to come down to redeem this creation because there was nothing here that could create it. And God's own love for the world created the character uh, expressed in Christ. He was God's character. He was God's express image. In Him was God. God in Christ Revealing himself to the world. And no love could ever be greater than that love. That such a person would become what he did in order to, to redeem what had been lost. That ought to, just that thought right there should set Phoenix and the whole world to shame. To see what a condition that we have fallen into. And what God projecting Himself to make a plan of redemption to, fall, to redeem this fallen character of ours. This was done so that the penalty could be paid because the, the penalty was death. And one under the sentence of death could not pay the penalty for the next one under the sentence of death. So there had to be somebody come who was free from death. 
in order to pay the penalty and none other could come but God because He was the only one that was free from the penalty of death. Now, therefore His loving character of love. Oh, for us it, it makes plain John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but would have eternal life. God projecting Himself and become man, that He might have upon Him the form of His creation. In other words, He changed His tent. He spread it amongst human beings. And the infant Jehovah crying in a manger. Could you imagine it? It ought to alarm the hearts of believers. And that was all done. Could you imagine Jehovah being a baby in a, in a manger, in a, in a stable of manure? Could you imagine that? Could you imagine little Jehovah playing as a, as a boy? It's an example. Could you imagine him as a teenager? Could you imagine him in the carpenter's shop? And could you imagine in such complete obedience to God dying on a cross to redeem His fallen creation? That's the kind of a love that God had. And He had to become that in order to die, to hold the sting of death. Now, I believe a few nights ago we were expressing something on that order. When uh, He came... And he sent prophets and great men. And he sent Moses and the prophets. And he gave laws. But all these could not redeem because they were still man under the penalty of death. And they could not pay the penalty of death. Although they were pointing posts that pointed to that perfect one coming. Because they were not perfect. But when this one was born, he was... Born without sin, God, Jehovah, overshadowed a virgin and created the blood cell. And when that was born, it was the Son of God. In other words, it was a tabernacle. It was a dwelling place where Jehovah could live among His people and express Himself, what He was. What an example. How that the Holy God made manifest and then took the place of a servant to wash feet and spoke that the birds have nests and the, and the foxes have den, but I don't have a place to lay my head. Then what an example. How would our life reflect to His? And He made the example of what we should do. How we should be. We should see Him. When you look in the mirror, see Christ. The mirror of His Word. How that He did that for love. And we gave a little drama the other night of Christ uh, going up Golgotha. And how that the footprints of His uh, blood uh, running down His back where he had been scourged and 
mistreated and bruised and uh, all this for you. He had no sin. He had no sin, but he was made sin by becoming a sin offering. And now God had to, to reveal himself in his attributes into this person called Christ in order to take death upon himself. As Jehovah, he could not die. So he had to create himself a body. And no woman could produce that body. So his own character. Hey, man. Excuse me. When I think of it, his character projected that lovely person of Jesus Christ. No woman could bring it. Moses' mother, she, Josebel, uh, uh, she was a great woman. And so was Rebecca and many other of the women. But none of them could produce this type of character because it was come through sex by a fallen people. But God projected His own body, His dwelling place. That's the reason He was the Son of God. Because nothing else could project it. But His own divine character projected this tabernacle to express Himself in. And yet, He stuck Himself away from the great thing that He was. And at His birth, He could have come with a full angel salute. He could have come with the chariots and angels of heaven. But He come by the way of a barn. That's His, his love. Bringing himself down to the lowest. Now, you study that character a little bit and then look at yourself. And I look at myself, but that's what he was. That's who he was. And that's why he was. To save you. He took, he become you. That you might become him. He took your load of sin. Therefore, when we come to meet him, we will not have to stand. We could not stand in the presence of God. There's no way for us to do it. But when we stand in Him, see, He's already recognized the sacrifice. This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. He recognized that there was no blemish on Him. And yet He suffered temptation like any other man. Yet with he was scorned. He was made fun of. He was persecuted from the hour he was born until the hour he died. And yet he returned good for evil. You cannot, no way, ever produce a character like that only accepting that character in you. A church cannot do that. A creed cannot do that. A denomination cannot do that. An education cannot do that. It must be a birth. It's got to be a, a dying out. And let God in it, by the grace of Christ, mold this type of character in you. That you become Him. And your life in His is the same. Then you are sons and daughters of God. Then... When he was going up the mountain and his cross was dragging out the footprints. Oh, I wish I was an artist. 
I wish I was, could speak so that I could immediately paint you a picture of Calvary. Of that most dreaded hour that the world ever knew. And yet, they were not conscious of what was going on. Millions was not conscious. And could I turn that picture to what I've said this week? We're entering again a dreaded hour, a fearful time. And Phoenix and the world is bathing, and the churches is bathing themselves in worldlyism and in Hollywood showmanship, one outdoing the other, and our members are becoming worldly. It seems they don't catch the picture and the seriousness and the revelation of the appearing of the Son of God in this last days. What a terrible time it was. They just know that there was a malefactor under capital punishment was going to die that morning. That's all it was to them. That's all it is today to the people when they hear the message. Another wild man. Another holy roller. Or some religious crank. And I'm not saying that there isn't religious cranks. But did you only know that they call them oddballs? Well... Listen, anybody that's living right is an oddball to this modern world. We're all oddballs, as so to speak. And excuse that word expression, but it's the only way I know you can go get what I'm talking about. Just an odd, peculiar person. Jesus was that type of person. The prophets were them kind of persons. It come in the age when everything was getting all loose in. And the prophets come and caught those loose ends and brought them back and shoved them out in the people's face and told them, the very God that you claim you're serving will destroy you. Because you've gone away from His program, that's the only path He can save you on. And they're always oddballs. And today when we hear the message of God come forth, we think it's some crook crank or something. And there, there's plenty of it in the world. Schemes, money-making, unconcerned, people under impressions and, and speaking as if it was the Lord. The Lord always truly identifies Himself. And notice, but in that, did you know all those things have to come? Certainly. The, uh, the rose must have its thorns. The kernel in a, in a nut should be covered over with a burr. You have to dig out the burr to get down to the kernel. We just fail to see those things. The jewels, the, the, the metals and jewels and money, silver and gold in these mountains are covered with dirt, filled with pyrite and other minerals. That runs together with it. We expect that. You've got to dig it out. When the prospector finds what he calls pay dust. It's dust, but it's, they see it. It symbolizes in there. There's a shadow of a mother load somewhere. And when we see these people today pertaining to be Christians. And just living anyway. What is it? 
It's a pain dust. There's a mother load somewhere. When we see somebody acting like they got the Holy Spirit, when they're having and living a different life, it's only a proof that there is a genuine mother load of the Holy Ghost that can be poured out, that can give the things that He promised. We must be very concerned and reverent. Jesus, on His way up, the devil always doubted that being any more than a prophet. He didn't believe that. He was a, a Emmanuel. God manifested in His own Son. Him and His Son being one. Why, well, He couldn't see that. How could God, the great Creator, ever stand and let somebody tell Him, Well, if you be the Son of God, command these stones to be turned to bread. And how could He, in Pilate's courtyard, when the Excuse the expression, but when the chips was down, as we would call it, and there he was with a rag around his face and, and uh, Roman soldiers spitting in his face, jerking the beard and the blood pouring through, and with a crown of thorns on his head, and already beaten, and his blood running freely down his sides. And Satan watching that. And then put a rag over his face and the soldiers smote him on the head with a stick and then passed it one to the other and said, Now, if you can see these visions, if you be a prophet, now you, you tell us who hit you. And he never opened his mouth. So they thought, that Satan said, that, that can't be the Son of God. It just can't be. He wouldn't put up with that. But sons of God... Put up with anything as long as they know they're doing the will of God. And that's what he come to do. Criticism. Now, with our message, can we stand by the looking glass of God's Word and see Christ reflect in our own lives then? Can we bear such and the reproach of the message that we're standing for here? Someone can say something about it, and yet you just don't open your mouth and say nothing about it. He was an example because God was reflecting His character in him. And then if we're sons and daughters of God, God reflects His character in us. Then we become like Him. That's my heart's desire. And I think that's every believer's desire, is to become more like Him. And then on the road up the hill, when uh, Satan said, All right, death, now you know I have you in my command. And there he is. We finally wore him out. It's got to a place where he's at the end of his wits. He doesn't know what to do anymore. He's become a reproach amongst the people. His message fell to the air. And now the government has caught him and he is defeated. He's not God. Go down there and... Sock the stinger in him. Take him out alive. And on the road up the hill as the bee began to buzz around him. But that is why he had to be more than a man. If he had been a man or just a prophet or anything less than God, if he had been that, death would have stung him and he would have laid in the grave. But... The bee of death is like any other insect with a stinger. If it ever gets its stinger 
caught deep, its stinging days are over. It pulls its stinger out. Well, as long as human flesh was in the, the form of sin, sexually born under the curse, then when death stung that flesh, the stinger could come back and sting another. But when he stung that flesh, it pulled his stinger out. He has no more stinger. He was God in flesh, tabernacling among man. His stinging days were over. That's why God had to reflect Himself into a body which is we know as the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And He did that so that He could take away the penalty because you see now, we're going to another part of the Scripture, but you see now why that that man was more than just a teacher, as people say he is today, a philosopher, or a good man, or a prophet. He was Emmanuel. He was the Son of God, which is Jehovah God, made manifest in His attributes of displaying Himself in a body that He built Himself. Amen. Amen. It reflected in uh, the sinful nature of a man could not do the thing that he did, see? So it had to be uh, God making his, reflecting Himself in the man, making a mirror that we might see that perfect man, which is Christ. Mm. Yes, this doing that reflected His noble, loving character. See, in Him was an attribute as a Savior. And it had to display itself. And he could not be a Savior and be a natural-born man. He had to be more than a man. And he was. He was the only one who could do this insomuch that he was sinless by nature. He was God in Word. Now, St. John, the first chapter, explains that. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word was made flesh. God become flesh when He represented or when He displayed Himself to the earth in the form of His Son. The person of Jesus, the Son of God. God displayed Himself in that person. Did not Jesus say, My Father and I are one. My Father dwelleth in me. It's not me that doeth the works. It's my Father. He dwells in me. I have no control of my own. He does that. God's fountain of word expressed. Amen. I feel Pentecostal. <laughs> yes. He was sinless by nature. And that's the only thing that could project that. Sinless God word. The word being God and a word is a thought expressed. And when God thought of parent. He expressed his thought in, and Christ was God's expression. Hey, man. You see it? He was God's expression. That God could be us and live as we live, yet expressing perfectly what the perfect person should be. Perfectly. He was God's word expressed. And uh, properly vindicated, identified. When he stood here on the earth, he said, if I do not the works of my Father, then don't believe me. 
And he said, which one of you can accuse me of sin? I would like to open that just a little bit for you, if it be permissible. You see, sin is unbelief. There's only two thing, channels that you can live by. One of them is faith, and the other is unbelief. He that believeth not is condemned already. Smoking, drinking, committing adultery, lying, stealing, carnal impersonations, those things are attributes of unbelief. If you was a believer, you wouldn't do those things. No, you do that because you're not a believer. Oh, you, you, say, oh, you say, oh, but I am a believer, but by their fruits you shall know them. <laughs> your, your actions speak louder than what your confession proves. When you disbelieve God's Word and count it as something gone by or, or take some book in its stead and saying this is just as good as that, it goes to show that you're not a believer. That's right. You're, you're not. And if you was, then you would believe God's Word. And it would ex- He would express Himself through His Word. Now, He was uh, God's Word expressed. And He said, Now, if you can't believe Me, said, uh, believe the works that I do. Search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And that's the very thing that tells who I am. Oh, that's the one that says who I am. The Scriptures tells who I am. And let me take that a little further, will you? The Scriptures is what tells what you are. That expresses you. It expresses me. The Scriptures tell what we are. It's so loud that our voice cannot be even heard. Our life speaks louder than our voice. See? And it is God's way of letting us see what we are. Jesus said the same thing. They are they that testify of me. They prove what I am. And which one of you can condemn me of unbelief sin? If I haven't properly... Listen. I'm talking about looking at yourself. If I haven't properly identified myself as being what the Word said that I would be. <laughs> wonder if we Christians could think that tonight. wonder if we can look in God's looking glass of what requirements is of a Christian and identify ourselves that way. I wonder if we could. I wonder if we could identify ourselves tonight with John 3, 16 and all, all other kind of scriptures. Mark 16th chapter and all these other places that and over in, in Galatians, I believe, and and uh, a different places, and Thessalonians, where the fruits of the Spirit and so forth. Wonder if we can identify ourselves. Jesus said, "Which one of you can accuse me that I haven't performed uh, and done just exactly what the Scripture said I would do?" Nobody could say a word because he had truly identified himself. And they, as they do always, the make-believer had identified him as Beelzebub, an evil spirit. When he made himself known in discernment of spirit that he was Messiah, then they said that's an evil spirit in him doing these things. So you see, he was properly uh, vindicated. There could be no mistake. The little woman at the well didn't, didn't make any mistake. She said, uh, Sir, we know when Messiah cometh, he, he'll do these things. But who are you? She said, he said, I'm he. And a man that could do a thing like that would surely tell the truth. 
the truth of God was with him, and they were commissioned. If the prophet raised and, and done the, said something and what he said come to pass, he was identified as a prophet. And she had recognized him as a prophet and asked who he was. And he told her then that settled it. She ran into the city and said, come see a man who told me the thing. There was no mistake about it. Philip had no mistake, although when uh, 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 Nathaniel, rather, when Philip had tried to tell him what had taken place when he met Simon. But uh, when Nathaniel came, he was a little in doubt. But when he seen Jesus, and Jesus said to him, Behold an Israelite whom there's no God. He said, Rabbi, when did you know me? He said, Before Philip called you. I saw you. There, there was no possible way of a mistake. He said, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You're the King of Israel. Jesus said, because I've told you that, you believe. You can see greater than that now. His sinless nature expressed God's Word. See, He was the Word. So God expressed Himself, but that's sinless nature. May I stop here just a second? I don't want to keep you too long, but... It just seems so good to me to talk to people. Notice, see, his sinless nature expressed what he was. He wa- then, if his sinless nature, God expressed himself through that sinless nature, it shows that our nature is evil, and it's no matter how much we try to patch it up or how much we try to indocumate it with other things, it's got to become sinless like his was. And then God's Word can flow through it. That don't mean perfection in yourself. You can't be that. But, you see, even our people are getting away from the practice of holiness. We begin to let down so many bars. We got to come to that place of our profession. He is our example and He's our sin barrier. And then if we profess that He is our peacemaker. He is our propitiation. Then if we profess that, then that is supposed to reflect Him back in us. And we are a written epistle, a looking glass that people can see Christ in us. And if they don't, then we're, we're looking at something else. And we're not looking to Him. Look to Him all the ends of the world and live. The only way you can... His sinful, sinless nature expressed the Word of God so much that He and the Word was one. He said so. I and my Father are one. I do always that what pleases. I and my Father are just one. He was so perfect in the image of God until He and God was the express same thing. He was the flesh, the Son, that expressed the deity of God. So that made Him Deity in a man in order to redeem a man. See? He and the Word was one. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh. So He and the Word became one that the Word could express and could show to the world that example of what man should be. And man can't be that in himself. There's no way to educate it to it. There's no way to join it. There's no way to baptize it. There's no way of doing nothing to it. They only kill it and let it be born again. And a new nature come in. That's the only way. Kill that nature of yourself. 
that you might become... And then the Word becomes a living thing. It just expresses itself through you. See? Then you're looking in the looking glass and people see you as a mirror because, you know, God has made a way. People won't read the Bible. So God has made you a Bible. You are. What you do, people's looking at you. God sent His mirrors, His, His, His express expression of Himself in the prophets because the Word came to the prophets. And they expressed God there in the, the prophecy that God gave them. And now God expresses Himself through His Son, Christ Jesus, as He takes us in as adopted children and put His Spirit in us, crying, Abba, Father. See? Or in other words, my God, my God. See, Then the Holy Spirit in us, Christ's Spirit expressing Jesus Christ, and the people look at you. See, And when they see hypocrisies and everything, no wonder we've lost our strength. The salt has lost its Savior. Oh, no other nature could do this. No. Because he was a molded, perfect character of God. For it was a fallen character that all nature had. All man had a fallen character. Even everything that was under man fell. Everything's got a dying character. And he had a living character. So he expressed it in Christ and he paid the price. And then because of his obedience, he raised him up on the third day. See? And then he gives to us, that gives to us the, the proof. It gives us the assurance that as long as we're in him, we're already risen with him. We won't raise with Christ. We're already raised with Christ. We are in Christ now. And if Christ be risen from the dead, aren't we raised from the dead with him? Amen. Now we're sitting together in heavenly places in him. Oh, my. That ought to make you... Presbyterian shout. <laughs> uh, certainly expressed images of God molded after the fashion of Christ that the world can see Him in you. That's the looking glass to look at. <laughs> no other nature could do it. It was fallen. And God identified... Look, God identified Himself as a man and took up on Him the form of sin. Not, we're not sin, but the form of sin. That in order that he might take the sin of the sinner, see, and pay the penalty for it and give the sinner back the life that he had before the fall. <laughs> oh, my. What love God has expressed to us. Think of it. And now remember, after Jesus doing this when nobody else could do it, we are invited now, church, think of this just a minute. We are invited to shape our own character to His by His grace. We are invited, think of it, to become uh, characters like His. If we're ready to lay our character down in the molding that we had, heady, high-minded, Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. False accusers and incontinent despisers of those that are trying to do right. Having a form of godliness and denying the power of the Word. How can God come into a place like that when they deny the Word? When He watches over His Word to vindicate it, to make it come to pass, and the Word is pushed out, how can He identify Himself with something like that? 
We've got to take the entire full gospel. We must, and now being that we have identified ourselves as full gospel people, let's mold our character. We're invited to be molded in His image that we might reflect His presence. And the works that I do, shall you do also. The life that I live, so shall you. We're invited by God to take Him as an example and let our character be molded like His. What a thing, my. Then, when we let His character be in us, then we have become sons by having the mind of Christ, mind which is His character. Your mind makes your character. Let the mind, Paul said, of Christ, this mind that was in Christ, be in you. Let that mind of Christ be in you. It molds the character of a son of God. Now how, just listen a minute, how can we have the mind of Christ that was in Him and then deny the things that He commissioned us to do? How can we place miracles in the past when the very Christ Himself was God and God in you, in the presence of God, there's always miracles. He said, you call me Lord. Why call ye me Lord and do not the things that I have commanded you to do? I laid out for you to do. Don't you see where we've gotten to? Where the church is drifting? And I find it a whole lot among our Pentecostals, too. We're drifting too far from that lifeline. We must come back to that, friend. Come back. Because we're getting big now. I see where the businessman's publication is the greatest. One is much more is what old Roberts has got. And I find out that when we go to getting big, then we go to acting big. See? Just like Israel did. And we go to acting like we're just... Compare with the, the rest of them. Remember, you are a different people. You are a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people. Well, we Pentecostals got so even more peculiar than the rest of the world. We just dress, act, talk, go do the things they do, run home, watch television instead of stand for church, and just the same things they do about. We're trying to compete, trying to be like the Joneses. See? We don't want to do that. We want to be make this Bible our looking glass. And let ourselves be molded by His character. Having His character, His mind, letting the mind that was in Christ be in us. His mind was always, what was His mind to do? The mind that was in Christ. Always to stay with the Father's Word. No matter what looked glossy and what looked... Uh, this way, it didn't make any difference to him. The Father's words what counted. Everywhere when he met the devil, he never even used his power to defeat him. He used the Word. Because that was him. Did you ever think he never wrote a book when he was on earth? As far as we know, he never wrote but one time. That was in the sand. And then raced it out, probably afterwards. Why didn't he write a Word? Because he was the Word. He lived the Word. We don't need so many books when you become a written epistle of God. See, that's what God wants you to be, images of Him. You know, in the heathen world, how the heathens uh, put up an idol 
And they prostrate themselves before the idol and work themselves into such an emotion till they believe they can hear that idol speak back to them. It's a mental affair. But how vice versa from God's truth. God wants you. He don't want an idol. You are the living image of God. And you prostrate yourself before God and He fills you with Himself and you express Him as a living God. His church. What a difference we got. We want to be like Presbyterian, Methodist, and getting this as high and everything has to be polished and classy. And we're just getting about as bad. See? See, we're getting off that beaten line. Come back, church. I'm zealous of you because the coming of the Lord is at hand. Let Him be your express image, express Himself in you because He was always doing exactly the Word of God. That's what the prophets did. Every one. The word of the Lord came to the prophets. And that's how they know they were. Moses, the word of the Lord came to Moses. The more word of the Lord came to Noah. The word of the Lord came to Daniel. The word of the Lord expressed itself to the Hebrew children. What was it? When man of any age took God's word, then God expressed that word to them. Noah was an image and a sign of God's own coming judgment. And he expressed the word. And by staying with the word, the same word he expressed, condemned the world and saved his own house. Daniel had purposed in his heart. He wasn't going to defile himself with the world. And what did it do? It saved his life. The Hebrew children the same way. And every person that ever served God, become an image of God, was God expressing His own Word through them. Because the Hebrew children said, Our God's able to deliver us. They had no revelation of it, no more than that. But said, However, we'll not bow down to your image. What was it? They was expressing their faith in the Word of God. And God expressed Himself back and reflected. And He was the fourth man that they seen in that marriage. God expressing Himself through His living images. Oh, my. Now, let us look at God's marrow word and identify our present character. Now, I might pinch you just a little bit. Now, I won't take much more time. Oh, my. I didn't know it was that late. Quarter after... I ain't got no clock here. I watched one last night and preached about two hours. And I thought, my, it's just 7 o'clock. I'm doing fine. Just getting warmed up. And here it was, 9.30. Time to quit. Notice, we won't stay much longer. Oh, let me just give this to you just now. Look. Notice. <laughs> you know, when... Let's see if we can identify ourselves. Now, listen. Get this close to what I'm saying now. Our present character... I'm going to go real slow. I want to soak in real deep before we close. If you lived in the days of Noah, now just think of what you are. Be honest with yourself. Because if you won't be honest with yourself, you can't be honest with God. If you lived in the days of Noah and was in your present character... What group would you be identified with? Now think of it. What group? When here is an old fanatic standing up there on the hill, 
that's been proven over and over for 120 years that he's out of his mind. Because he's absolutely predicting that these water coming down from up there and all their scientific instruments prove that it wasn't there. And because it didn't jive up with their scientific things, how could Almighty God ever do something that was against their own reasonings? <laughs> See? And the man was talked about. He was a laughing stock of the time. Now, I wondered... Now, just ask that. What group would you be identified with? With the popular opinion of the day? Oh, you say, I belong to church. That's not what I'm talking about. They had plenty of church groups in that day. <laughs> Probably more than they got now. But there was somebody with a, the message from God. Right. And it was very unpopular. His group was very unpopular because he is considered a fanatic. Would you be ready to identify yourself with that fanatic group? The only way that you'd ever do it would be for it personally to be revealed to you. And did you know that's the only way that God built His church? Look it. In the Garden of Eden, how did Abel know that it was a blood instead of an apple? <laughs> it was spiritually revealed. And look, when Jesus is here on earth... He said that great and notable time that he was speaking, who does man say, I the son of man am? Some of them said, well, you're a Moses or you're the Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said, but I'm, I'm coming straight to the point. What do you think about it? Not what somebody else is saying now, but I want to know what you think about it. And that's when Peter spoke up and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, what's the way he quoted it. Now, we know that the Catholic Church, not hurting you Catholics' feelings, but you said he built it up on Peter being the little rock. Upon this rock, I'll build my church. The gates of hell cannot prevail against it. See? Now, if that be so, then the church backslid. Now, then if it was, it was built up on a man. Now, the Protestant says he built it up on himself, which was the chief cornerstone, the rock. And that, that's got a whole lot of truth to it. But let, just let me drop something else in that. Just, uh, it, just tighten it up a little bit. I'm going to disagree with both by saying this. That it was not he was talking about himself directly. But uh, potentially he was speaking of himself. And he did not include Peter any more than his confession of it. Because look what he said. Blessed art thou, Simon, the son of Jonas, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. You never learn this by some seminary experience or somebody told you about it. But my Father, which is in heaven, has revealed this to you. Then it's the spiritual revelation of who Jesus Christ is. Exactly. And he said, upon this rock, upon the spiritual revelation, I will build my church. It showed all the gates of hell would be against it, but they shall not prevail against it. I'll build my church. And the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against this church. So you see, Noah had a spiritual revelation. God had directly spoke to him. Abel, when Cain offered the fruits of the field as apples and fruits and so forth, and made his altar pretty. 
and said, God will accept this because I've done all of this and fixed the great altars and I, I've decorated it. I made it pretty. We got the biggest church in the city or so forth. God will accept it in this. He accepts the work of no man's hands in redemption. But Abel brought a lamb and offered blood and God testified that he was righteous. How did he know it? There's no word written in them days. It was a revelation. And so is it today. You say, well, I belong to church. My church is as good as your church. They're both made out of the same kind of building, same kind of materials. That's right. The building has nothing to do with it. Organization is a group of men who gets together, make up a decalogue of what they stand for, and that's it. Nothing against that. That's all right, but that ain't what I'm talking about. You wear the same kind of clothes, maybe if they're decent. What other uh, believers would do? Still, that doesn't make it. But now look here, what it is, is the spiritual revelation of the Word of God that everything else is wrong but that Word, and you believe it. He was the Word, and He is the Word, and He'll always be the Word. And when God can open that channel, and He can flow freely through that sanctified body. Now, now, now we notice that if you were in that day... What group would you be identified with? With a prophet, with the vindicated word, although they were in the minority? Or would you be with the popular opinion folks? Well, I tell you, I believe that means crazy. And the only way that you'd ever know he wasn't crazy is for the same God to reveal to you the same thing he'd revealed to Moses. And the only way that we'll ever be able to be the images of God and the sons of God is for God to reveal to us and express Himself through His Word to us and us to the world. That's the only channel. For Christ was the image here on earth that you could see God in a man express image of God because God was in Him so much that they were one. And now when Christ left, He sanctified the church that the church might take His place and express the Word of God. Okay? That's the only way it can be done. Oh, my. Would you be with the pauper folks who had the pauper opinion as long as I belong to church? And maybe because I danced in the Spirit, I'm all right. <laughs> maybe because I have spoken with tongues, I'm all right. Or maybe we got a good pastor, and I'm all right. Now, those things are loyal. I have nothing to say against that. That's true. But this plan of salvation is an individual affair with you. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Speaking in tongues is a gift of God. Dancing in the Spirit is the presence and glory of God. But for you to let your character be molded into the image of God, that He projects Himself in you, and you are His idol walking on the earth, the express image of Him. Now, would you be willing to do that in the days of Noah? Or would you have been on the critical side? Uh, criticizing both the prophet and his God-sent message. Now think of it. Which side would you think in your present estate now would you tell? Now be honest. I, <clears throat> pardon me. There's no need of me trying to say it. You've you got to think it yourself. Or in the days of Elijah, when he talked enough about painted faces <laughs> in the modern uh, <laughs> lady of the hour... <laughs> That Jezebel sitting there turning her, her husband's head any way it wanted to go and whether it wanted to or not, she turned it anyhow. And the preachers all agreeing, that's all right. See, that's all right because our queen, see, 
And they all so easy fall into that trend. If that ain't a picture of today, I've never seen it. All these silly things that people are doing. And yet, in the name of Christ, if he is guilty of all of that, <laughs> he's not guilty of any of it. How do you know where he's, the Word expresses it? Just let's follow down a few minutes and see. Would you be on the critical side? Would you be down there with Elijah, standing there when Elijah seemed to be the only one alone? And everybody thought he was an old fogey or something, but that never bothered him a bit. He had the Word, and he had the Word, and he wasn't afraid with the Word. He wasn't scared with it. Any man who's got the message of God fears nothing. That's right. Little old Stephen stand up that morning before the Sanhedrin. He said, Why you stiff necks, uncircumcised in the heart and ears? You do always resist the Holy Ghost like your fathers did, so do you. The Bible said his face was like an angel. I don't believe it like electric light or something. An angel knows where he's standing. An angel's scared of nothing. He's a messenger from God. And any man with God's message knows where he's standing. He don't care for nobody. What they got to say about it? There ain't no bishops or nothing else pushing him around. He knows exactly where he's standing and that settles it. God vindicates his message and proves that it's right, so he stands right with it. He's fearless. That's the express image of God. That's what Jesus did. He wasn't afraid to say, Oh, you blind Pharisees, you're, uh, you're the one who builds up the tombs of the prophets and you're the one who put them in there. You are your father, the devil. And archbishops and everything else. He wasn't afraid because he knowed where he was at. Yes. In the days of Elijah, what side would you have talked? Or in the days of Moses, when there was a message of God thoroughly vindicated. Now listen, in your present character, you say, I'm a Christian. All right. I'm just going to ask you your present character. What stand would you have talked? When Dathan raised up and said, now wait just a minute. There's more holy man around here besides you, Moses. Uh, we'll just get a group of men and make us a big uh, affair here. And the first thing you know, we'll have bishops and archbishops and everything else around here. And God's and His people, the whole thing. Don't think it's your only pebble on the beach. When Dathan stood there and said, Don't you people think that? That man takes too much in his own hands. He's trying to tell us what to do. Why, in the multitude of, of, of many, there's counsel, there's, there's safety. Why, we all ought to get together and solve this thing out. But there was a message of God vindicated His message. We don't have to ask somebody else something about this message that we're preaching. It's wrote here in the Bible and God proves that it's right. So why do you have to go out and say, Now, you Catholic, what should we do about this? We'll join the, the uh, Confederation of Churches. We'll find out. We'll get together with them, brethren, and see how they built their great groups. We Pentecostal people don't need that. We don't need to join the World Council of Churches. We need to join the heavenly band, the Pentecostal power, be lifted up in the heavenly places. We don't need those things. But you see, what side would you have tucked in your present character if Dathan would have raised up and said that and you had been standing at that time? Would you have held on to God's message and messenger and stayed by it was thoroughly vindicated to be the truth? Or would you have tucked your, your papers and went over and joined some other group? <laughs> oh, that's... Just think about it. When it seemed all was against God's vindicated message and messenger of that age, the chips was down on Moses. Everything was gone. looked like God had forsaken him. But they had done seen God do something. They knowed God was in it. Now, 
or in the days of Christ, we'll hurry. In the days of Christ, what side would you have took? When all the big churches and their modern theologians and teachers was against him and his principles and clear-cut Scripture teaching, they was against it. When your church that you went to said, that guy's a fanatic. Well, he never come out of our seminaries. We have no record of him going to our schools. He don't have a fellowship card. He don't pack no credentials. <laughs> so the guy's crazy. Don't have nothing to do with that. What would you have done in your present state now? Just ask it a minute. All right. What would you have done? If, he, if, if you would have lived in that day and belonged to the, the, the Sanhedrin, and that's like the World Council of Churches. And your church was affiliated in that. And they had took all these things that this man raised up. And you seen him do the works of God. And nobody could withstand him. Yet he was supposed to be a crazy man out of his head. He was a... God forgive me for this expression. But he was one of the oddballs of that day. See, I'm making that so you'll understand. Why? He was heaven born. His character was above. It didn't, it didn't coincide with the, the affiliation of this world's confederations. See, he wasn't that type of person. Where would it stand when all the theologians, all the teachers said, where did this man come from? We don't even know where he come when he healed a blind man. They said, um, well, we don't know. Well, this man come from? Give glory to God. We don't know nothing about this man. Where did he come from? We, we don't have no record of him. He's not on our schedule. He's not on our board of directors. He, he's nowhere. None of them knows nothing about him. Where did he come from? The blind man said, that's a strange thing. That a man can open my eyes, yet you don't know from whence he come. And you're supposed to be the leaders of this day. He said, now, where he's a sinner, and I can't say that. I'm not a theologian, but one thing I do know, where he's blind, I can now see. That's, a, that's what counts. He wanted sight. Yes. Wait. All modern, all Bible teachers was against him in his true cut word from God. You believe he was absolutely fundamental, don't you, in his teaching? But not according to their schools. Did that soak in? How did we know he is fundamental? He asked them, who can prove me of sin? Search the Scriptures. They're the one to testify of me. They tell you exactly. Now, if I don't do what the Scripture says, then the Father don't vindicate that through me, then throw me out. I'm wrong. Yes, sir. Now, we find out that they were against that. The true Word of God. Oh, would your present state identify you with Him or with that blinded bunch of Pharisees? Would your present state, would you hold on to your your creeds of your church, would you hold to it because that your pastor was a... Maybe you think, well, he's a good man. He can be a good man and still be blind. Certainly. Did not Jesus say, you blind leaders of the blind? Now, in your state, just imagine now, what would you do? Where are you identified amongst the crowd there? What's your present estate? Would you be with the Pharisee? Well, I, I tell you, my mother belongs to this church tonight. It's just as good as any of them. I'll just stay right here. And when you've seen the Word of God vindicated, that's the truth by the messenger. 
And you search the scriptures and note it, but your, your denomination said the days of miracles is past. There's no such a thing as that. Now, what would you do in your present state? Many of you have expressed it. If you should say in your heart now, no, I wouldn't be with them Pharisees. I wouldn't be identified with them. Then what about now? The Scripture says He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. What about now? You say, I wouldn't be identified with them Pharisees. What about now? You know, history is repeating itself. I cut a piece out of paper the day on that. The Pharisees of that day took a stand against Him because of prejudice. That's the same thing they do today. Remember, Nicodemus said the same thing. He said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. But because that their creeds and denominations wouldn't accept his message, then they forbid anybody else. He said, you won't go in yourself and you forbid others to go in. What a condition. Wonder if we could identify ourselves with something like that. <laughs> If you would have followed him just to see his miracles, as many did, and you followed him today in the church just to see his miracles and sit around, but to put your hand down to receive the Holy Ghost yourself, you won't do it. They won't do it. Many followed him just for his miracles to see them. But when he sat down to the real teaching of the Scripture, the multitude walked away from him. When they were seeing heal the sick and open the eyes and a person could touch his garment and he'd turn around and tell them those things and tell Philip and Nathaniel and all these, those things, well, the woman at the well and all these things that he identified himself to be the, the prophet that Moses spoke of, the Christ, the Messiah, when they hadn't had a prophet for 400 years, then on the scene broke this Jesus, proving he was. That he was the Messiah. Many of them followed him because the first part of his ministry, he went from church to church. Oh, they gladly received him. And they give him a great hand. Oh, Rabbi. Oh, you're a great fellow. But one day he sat down with scriptural truth. And then when he identified himself not only as a healer, but as a sent from God with truth and life. When he identified himself to that, Oh, that was against their tradition. <laughs> Even to many that followed him, the 70 turned and went away. What would you have done? Now think of it. When a man that you'd seen do the very signs of Messiah and, and know that the Messiah was coming and he had prophesied all this to happen even to John and them and he'd expressed it thoroughly and then you'd followed him and seen the great sign of a Messiah proving it. None of the pastors could withstand the message at all. And then all at once he comes around and teaches something that's exactly the Word of God but contrary to your way you've been taught then would you hold with your tradition? Would you go with the 70? Oh. The Scripture clear-cut word. Would you go with the 70? Or, or can you see now your identification where you would stand? I think deeply, sincerely. Where would you stand now with your present condition? What, what group would you be identified in there? 
Or could you identify yourself just quickly now? Could you identify yourself with that? I'm going to speak to the kids here, the teenagers. Could you identify yourself today, teenager, as a professed believer, as the rich young ruler, the Elvis Presley type, that loved the pleasures of the world more than he loved to follow Christ? Would you identify yourself with this present day group and say, well, like this Mr. Presley, as I understand, he's a Pentecostal. And a Pentecostal, to get out and act like that, he's just only Pentecostal by name. To me, it's another Judas. Pat Boone and those people who claim to be religious and them rock and rolls and twisted vulgarity of the world and then claim Christianity. Why, it's a disgrace. It's worse than the bootlegger. It's worse than, than the prostitute on the street. God would respect a prostitute better than that. Ernie Ford and them stand up all night, these shindigs and everything, and carry all the arms around women, them sexy and everything, and then come out and sing hymns. That's when you've sold your birthrights. How can you identify yourself? That young teenager had a, he's a rich man. He had an opportunity. He is a man, been a Christian businessman too. Church. Now, teenager, what would you do about that when you try to act like Marilyn Monroe or some of them others or some of the women like the first lady of the land with these here all kind of carrying on and this cutting the hair and manicuring on the face and these tight, sexy dresses and, and you man letting them do it. And you pastors out the audacity to rebuke it from the pulpit, too. Right. That's right. Now, that's right. But many times you've got God-given pastors that will rebuke it and you still won't line with the Word. Well, that's, that's fine. It can't go the other way, too. That's right. What am I laying before you? Or say, they, I know better than that. I've passed through myself, Phoenix, for the last 15 years, and it still looks the same as it always did, only getting worse. So don't lay it all on the pastor. <laughs> Let's just say we're all guilty and stand up and look at ourselves in the glass. <laughs> Teenager, what about that? You love the praises of them people more than you love the, the invitation you give to mold your character into the image of the Son of God? What about it? How can we do it? Oh, my. Can you see yourself identifying? Popper loving? And how about... Now, I'm coming down home just a little closer now. How about you Pentecostals that really know better? That's right. You know better than that. You know better. So remember this rich young ruler's last identification. He was in hell looking up to a man that had lived right. Asked him for water. But he crossed that great chasm without accepting God's potential to bring him back. And there he was, and there he is yet tonight. And he always will be. All right, that's his last identification. So don't identify yourself with some pauper sex queen. Or don't identify yourself with one of these here flat-top Elvis Presley carrying on out here with your rock and rolls and twists and call yourself a Christian or some Pat Boone because you got a guitar and can stand out and act silly with it. Let Christ reflect Himself in you. Right. The Pentecostals today, getting away from the Word of God, 
do you identify yourself with Judas' group? Remember, Judas started out to walk with him. Now, if, if this hurts, I don't mean it to hurt, but I mean for pinch right hard. <laughs> Judas started out on the right foot. He started out to walk with him. But when he got to be get a little money in his hands, I wonder if that could be applied to Pentecost. When we got off the street corner and out of the little mission in the alley, and then we got to have a little money, and I wonder if our walk hasn't got a little twisted. When we got a bunch of, maybe a bunch of uh, people gets in there and say, oh, well, this, uh, you're talking of members. Today, all you want is members, members. God don't look at members. He's hunting character that he can place his word in. Somebody that'll believe him. As I said the other night, Eliezer sweated it out till he found character for the bride. Then he had to make her stand still in order to get her dressed right to meet the one he's talking about. Why, if you find character, you can't get them dressed right. You can't. All right. Notice. Now, modern Pentecostal. Now, now we've talked to the Presbyterian, the Catholic, but I'm going to talk about Pentecostals now because we're going over here to represent something. See? Pentecost. Isn't it a strange thing that the Pentecostals in this modern age that the Bible predicts will be like the Lady Osea? Lady Osea is a Greek teacher sitting here listening at me. The Lady Osea means a woman. Lady Osea is a woman's name in Greek. None of the rest of the church is represented by that name, but now it's a woman, a Jezebel. That's right. And we got rich. We have need of nothing. But don't know that we're naked, blind, miserable. Walked out of the way. What have we done? We picked up some treasures, maybe, like Judas did, see? And then we didn't walk with it no more. Sold out for personal gain. So many people do that. So many denominations compromise upon the Word in order to get more members. Personal gain. Do anything. Let some pastor come into a community and build up a nice work. And then they have the meeting, general a meeting somewhere, and they take that fellow out and take some little pet, little Ricky, and put him in there, and it only scatters the sheep. God put the man in there. But, oh, the, they do that at the conferences many times. Pick on, send some poor brother away, and it's really build up the work. Then they don't know they break their own neck in doing so and hurt the church. Sold out to popularity, personal opinion. Gain, personal gain, big churches, big denominations. Our group's bigger than your all's. Oh, that's the way the Baptist had a slogan, a million more in 44, but what have you got? I said the other night, confessions, stones. It's confessions. What good's a stone without a stonemason with the sharp two-edged sword of God to mold them and cut them into sons and daughters of God? Yes. What did Judas do? What did he do? Remember his last estate. Oh, what did he do? He doubted Christ's claims after he started to walk with him. Pentecostal, don't you never do that. Businessman, don't you never do that. Don't you doubt his claims. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Judas doubted his claims and become very popular and sold it out. (laughs) Judas' character caused him to sell him out to his critics. And today, the same thing's taking place many times. The character that we let ourselves mold into sell us out to the cares of the world. The, the people that would criticize, 
the very thing that Pentecost come out of, it goes right back into it again. Just as whirly almost as it was in the first place. See, what is it? We fail to let His life reflect in us. Or do you find yourself identified with His true disciples? Amen. That's where we want to be. True to Him. True to His Word. Stand up in the face of critics. Amen. Is that where you find yourself identified tonight? Thank the Lord. Amen. Letting the life of Christ flow through them. Yes, sir. They had been sanctified by His coming. And a sinful man, upon confession and sanctification, had cleansed them. And their hearts were so centered to God until Christ poured Himself into them and reflected His presence to the world. In the face of critics, they stood like He did. They stood true to the Word. Even the one said, Thou almost persuadest me to be a Christian. One of his, the critics. Can you identify yourself with Peter on the day of Pentecost? Can you identify yourself there in Acts 2? Where people say today, the Holy Ghost was only given to the twelve apostles. Can you identify yourself with Peter when he said, Repent, every one of you, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the uh, remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promise isn't to you and to your children and to them it's far off. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. This same Holy Ghost. Do you identify yourself there with Him on that day? I stand with you, Peter. Yes, sir, upon your fundamental teachings of the Scripture. I stand there. I want my life to reflect the Scripture just like yours did there when 3,000 was pricked in their hearts. When they seen the boldness of them a few days after that, they know they'd been with Jesus. They had the Word, and they know the Word was living right through them, and they're afraid to tamper with that Word of God because they was a representative of that Word with such a life that God was reflecting Himself right through, told a man, Silver and gold have I none. I don't have big buildings and great big things. Such as I have, I'll give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, stand up on your feet. Such as I have, he had to have something before he could give it. Hey, man. Oh, my. Saying the word is the same forever and ever. Every generation, all that God calls will see the reflection. Or with Paul, when the popular, world loving Demas forsaken him for his Christian, so called brethren of the popular opinion, when Paul stood on the word. Demas left him loving this present world. Left him because that he was true to the Word. It's too straight for him. Who would you go with, Demas, or would you go with Paul? Check the Word. What side would you take in your present state at that time? Yet them was professed Christians. Paul said, all man has forsaken me. Poor little guy. I always was alarmed at Dr. Ern Baxter. He said, you know, when I get up to heaven, the first thing I'm going to do, and I said, what is it, Brother Ern? He said, I'm going to walk right up to Demas and slap him in the face as hard as I can. I said, now, Ern. He said, I'm going to say, why did you leave Paul down there? Like that? I said, you really think he'll be there, Ern? I said, be careful of your desire to slap him in the face. I said, I wouldn't want to be where he was at, maybe, and see, have to do that. Like the infidel said, said to the little girl, he said, you believe that Bible? He said, sure. He said, I guess you believe that story about the, uh, the 
Jonah, uh, the whale swallowing up Jonah. She said, certainly. How are you going to prove it otherwise by faith? Said, when I get to heaven, I'll ask Jonah. That's right. Said, what if Jonah isn't there? Said, then you'll ask him. So I guess that settles it, see? That's it. You'd have to ask him. So you see, then, that settles it. I believe that if he forsook Paul and forsook the Word, he'd done the same thing Judas did. Yes, sir. What side would you take in that place? Now, listen, Pentecostals. What side would you take? I've been raking these Presbyterians and so forth. Now, what would you take? What side would you take in your... Or let me ask you one more thing. This might hurt a little bit, but I want to ask you something. When the issue come up in the Corinthian church about women preachers and them bobbing their hair, the women, and the issue come up and Paul took the state that they should not be made preachers. Paul took the state that a woman cut her hair, she dishonored her husband, and she ought not even be seen praying in public. What, in your present estate, what issue would you take? Now look in the glass. Mm -hmm. I better leave that alone. Mm -hmm. I want you to look at your present state. What part, where are you looking at now? What are you looking at? Paul was reflecting Christ. Do you believe that? Certainly. Paul, you said, oh, a woman told me, he said, he was just a little woman hater. Paul said in, and over in Galatians 1.8, If an angel from heaven comes and preaches any other thing than this to you, let him be accursed. Amen. That's right. That's right. Now, what's, where are you reflecting at now? Mm-hmm. Don't take the popper side. Take the word side. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, sir. Left him. And when the issue come up, why, Paul took the stand and they wrote, said, The Holy Ghost told us to. He said, What? Came the word of God out of you or came it from you only? If any man thinks himself to be spiritual or, or a prophet, he will acknowledge the things that I write, the commandments of the Lord. What was it? He was staying with the word. Amen. Now, where do you stay? That's up to you now. You just find your place. All right. Yes, sir. There, Paul stood far, far from the position that he had. In, remember, Paul, to do this. Now, wait. Let me give something else for you. Paul, before he could do this, he had to leave a high position he had in the church of his day to stay with the Word. Now, if you're looking at Paul, what about you? When your church teaches contrary to it, what about you, pastor, minister, laity? Sure. What did he do? He had to take this position so that this seed could grow. The seed of eternal life. He wasn't contrary. He said, "As even so saith the law." <laughs> That's right. He wasn't. He stayed right with the word. And to do that, he had to leave his orthodox church to do it. To keep the word of life a growing, he had to do this. Demas and all the rest of them said, "Oh, you might as well come on, go on, Paul. You ain't." But Paul stood right there at that word. That poor little hook-nosed Jew, I want to see him on that day. I want to stand there and watch him wear that martyr's crown when he comes up. I want to see there and say, Glory, hallelujah, Paul. Amen. Yes, sir. Stay on the Word. I'm glad, Paul. So help me, God. Let me stay the same place. Yes, sir. Yes. In the vision that I seen not long ago, those people up there, I asked the question. You read it in the the digest, the businessman's article. They said, well, I said, does Paul have to said, yes, sir. I said, I stood on the same thing he did. <laughs> yes, sir. 
Stay the same thing. Moses had to stoop from a throne to take the Word of God. He forsook a throne. That's right. He was heir to a throne. And he forsook the pleasures of being Pharaoh. For he esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. You say, well, I tell you, the women will all laugh at me. The man will think, well, I don't care what they think. That's right. Paul stooped. Moses stooped from a throne. I got a line of them wrote down here. Take three pages. But let me tell you something. Help you right quick. Jesus stooped from heaven to reflect himself uh, in the form of sinful flesh. And who are you or who are I to make, the, make a way for us to reflect God? To make a way to reflect himself in us by sanctifying us to his word. For his word says that when he did so, so that we could reflect his word. And John fourteen twelve, he said, He that believeth on me the works that I do, he'll do also. Why? It was Christ's reflect. A little while in the world won't see me no more. Yet you'll see me for I, I, the personal pronoun, be with you even in you. See, all to the end of the world. Oh, well, if any will follow me, let him deny himself. Let him deny his man-made creed. Pick up his Bible and follow me. <laughs> That's right. Yes, sir. Then you are identified somewhere in the Scripture. No doubt, I have to close. You're identified somewhere in the Scripture. You know that. Each one of us. We see our identification. Church, we're going over here to a, to a gathering that has been planned for a year. Churches have been praying. People have been fasting. I've poured out my heart all through the week up and down this valley to every little crack and corner I could get into, trying my best to warn you of the coming of the Lord. And here we are just before this time here. And let's identify ourselves now to move over yonder to represent or reflect Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, we identify ourselves with the new haircut. Well, we identify ourselves with how fancy we can dress. Well, we identify ourselves with how popular we can stand and speak. How much education we got when Paul said them things he had to forget them in order to know Christ. Are we identifying Pentecost? Are we, what, where do we find ourselves reflecting? What are we reflecting anyhow? If we just got a lot of noise and can shout and play and jump up and down, well, I see Mohammedans do that. <laughs> I've seen monkeys do that. <laughs> no remarks. I don't mean that joking. This is no place for joke. This is the Word of God. See? But I've seen animals jump, play, rabbits. That don't mean nothing. Certainly not you're happy. Anything can make you happy. Any little upside. I've seen sinners so drunk so happy. Certainly. That don't mean a thing. But where's that happiness coming from? What's the resource? What does it react upon you? What does it reflect? Someone will deny God's Word. Someone will live in the world. Someone will hear the truth and walk away from it. Sell their birthrights out for something else. Oh, God, help us, brother, sister. Help us to get back and let Christ reflect Himself to us like that. Oh, my. May God help us to be identified in Him so much that His Word and His presence can flow through us to manifest Himself to the world.
Amen. For which we're going to face. One more remark. I'm closing. Listen close. The goldsmith is now standing ready. You know, jewels are found in the earth. Materials that we beat together. But you know, if you find in that something mixed into it, that nugget that you got will break apart. A chain is no stronger than its weakest link. So if you're trying to be a stone cut out of God, some material, and you find out you try to make yourself too big, and in between there you had to squeeze some world into it, that stone will break. It won't stand the test. And listen, God will not accept us Pentecostal people when we inject dogmas and everything else in God's Word. It'll, God will reject the stone and kick it over to one side. Let's not look for big things. Let's look for Christ in our life. Let's look for humility. See? Remember, if the stone is big and you're trying to spread out, that's what I'm afraid we're trying to do. That's what a talk I got with these businessmen. It seemed like they're outgrowing something. And I, I, that's the reason I hate to... I, I have to be honest with you, brother. I've got to meet the honor of judgment someday. That's the reason the church thinks I'm against the church. I'm not against the church. I'm, oh, why would I identify myself here with you? If I thought the Baptists are right, the Methodists are right, the Presbyterians are right, I'd be a them. I'm here with you because I'm identifying myself here with you. But don't try to outgrow your bounds. Now, be something that you're not. Don't try to make yourself some big deal pair with somebody else and work some worldlyism in there to get more members and things. The thing will break right smack in two. And God will cast it into the heap over yonder to be remolded. And He'll raise up children of these Southerstones to Abraham. That's right. He'll do it. He'll take the Presbyterian and bring something out of it. The Methodists are Baptists. And it looks like He started that way. Mm. Are you hear me, businessman? Just because we bear the name of Pentecost, that don't mean nothing to God. No, Pentecost is not an organization. Pentecost is an experience. It's a reflection of Christ. Where He started on the day of Pentecost to reflect in Himself through the people. And then the people begin to add worldliness. What happened? They went into the Nicaea Council and rejected the plain promises of God and put dogma into it and she broke the Christian experience all to pieces and she went off into Catholicism. Luther started to reform and he projected and it broke the thing up again. Methodists come along with sanctification and he started projecting and he done the same thing and the Pentecostals are doing the very same thing. Oh, well, you look at it, you can see it. How do you say, how do you know those things? Well, let me tell you something. Brother Branham, are you prophesying? I'm not exactly prophesying. But when a doctor examines a patient, he sees the symptoms, he knows what's going to happen. <laughs> I'm reading out of the doctor's book. And I see the symptoms working in the Pentecostal church and I know where she's headed. Stop it! Don't go that way, people. You see what I'm trying to do? I'm burning my life up to try to save you from this crazy thing you're running into. Day after day, year after year, I cry myself out. And you think I'm your enemy. I'm your brother. Come back. Don't go that way. Don't you see what happened when the others went that way? Businessman, stay off of that track. Now you're writing all kinds of 
creeds up in your magazines and that associates you just as much denominations as the rest of them. You know that's a soul. Don't you see you're coming right into the thing you've been standing against? And you won't love me, maybe. Whatever. That's true. You mark my word down. Turn or you're gone. Pentecost, turn or you're gone. Come back to the word. It's later than you think. God wants to reflect, not members, but genuine stone that's polished and molded and shaped. Watch, the goldsmith is standing tonight, ready to take out all the doubts of dross. Oh, that's against you. And by, he's here ready to mold you and shape you into believers. Taking all the doubt away from you. You go along. You've seen so many impersonators come along saying, This and glory to God, I got this. And hallelujah, I got this. And you find out they haven't got nothing. And if the devil did that to rise a doubt in your heart. See? He did that purposely to do that. But remember, that only says one thing. That there's a genuine that impersonator is trying to act like. There is a genuine Holy Ghost. There is a genuine Spirit of God. There is a genuine power of God. There is a Son of God that's reflecting Himself tonight as the Holy Spirit to show forth His life. He's standing here tonight in the midst of you in the form of the Holy Spirit to pound all the dross out of you, the doubts, and reflect to you His resurrection that He is not dead. And He's here to show you that He's a living the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's sure to identify Himself with us. Should not we then identify ourselves with Him to believe His Word and to take it? Let us pray. in the Scripture that when David, when the enemy was coming in and they had assembled together and David was trying to tell them about the God, there stood up one in their midst and prophesied and told them what to do and how to defeat the enemy. Truly, Lord, we believe that same thing. The Spirit of God falls in the midst of us. And the Word is the place to defeat the enemy. That's what you give Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. To defeat the enemy. 
And when Eve reasoned with it and projected reasons with the Word, it fell apart and sin entered. Truly, Lord. That's been the downfall of man through the ages, to try to inject something with the Word. Sarah tried the same thing, to inject something, to take in Hagar to bring the child, but it fell through. Always it's been that way, Father. We, we just want Your Word in that alone. Nothing added to it or taken from it, just the way it is. And You are this Word. And we are thankful for that. Bless the people here, Lord. I have now, in these nights after nights, tried to say these things that your, your, your coming is at hand. Everything's shaping that way. And from a, a vision a few weeks ago has sent me here to Arizona. I know not why. Maybe my coming home. I don't know. It, it looks very much that way. But Lord, let me finish my course with, and hold the faith keeping my garments unspotted, Lord, by the grace of Christ. Let me be able to stand in that day and say, I have declared the whole counsel of God as I knew it to be the truth. And I've shunned to say nothing. Granted, may my brethren, Lord, likewise, join up together and move closer up and know that these exhortations is, is not a rebuke, but it's a warning and to watch the crossroad. Granted, Father, as it's just been said to us that He would judge us by that word of the message. God, let me look at myself, and I'm ashamed of it, Lord, in the mirror of God's word. I'm contending and honestly, earnestly contending for the faith that was once delivered to the saints, as Jude said we should do. And we're promised that in the last days, this faith of the fathers would be restored back again to the original Pentecostal faith. You promised it, Malachi 4, you said it would happen. And Father, may we be watching and our, our eyes wide open and not miss it like through the ages they've always did. But may our eyes be open to see Jesus Christ as He's manifested in His glory among His humble people to take out a people out of these Gentiles for His name's sake. Grant it, Lord. Bless this congregation. Now, I've spoke at length. Lord, I cannot apologize. Because I felt to say what I did of holding him a long time. But I thank you for men and women today that is, is able to stand and will twist and, and try to hold their, their feet on the floor and listen to the message. I thank you for churches like this that will open the door and say, come on in. Uh, teach to us or uh, preach with us. Help us. God, thank you for these and thank you for a, an oasis. Too far the business world. These businessmen, Lord, may their garments stay unspotted from the things of the world. Granted, make it a soul-saving place, Lord, that maybe somewhere the people won't go to church, they will go to hear business people talk. And may their, their life be so salty with the grace of God and the humility of His Spirit that, that the world will crave to be that kind of man. Granted, Lord. Bless us now together. Lord, forgive us of our shortcomings. Forgive our sins. And let the channels of our hearts open. May the King of glory ride in among us now. If we found grace in your sight by repenting of our wrong. No doubt, my heart has repented. Many other hearts has repented. And if we found grace, Lord, mold us now. 
cleanse out our temples that the Word of the living God might live among us and prove Jesus Christ is not dead. He's not a dead founder like Mohammed or, or Buddha or some other of the cults. He's a living present tense now. Resurrected Jesus. He's alive forevermore and can never die no more. And has given to us eternal life and has presented Himself among us. And we, Lord, reflecting His grace to others. Help us, Father, as you promised in the last days what would happen just like it was in the days of Lot. May we, like those who came from Emmaus, go home tonight rejoicing because we see you do something like they seen you do after you had raised from the dead. Know it was the same thing you'd done before you died. Then they know that you was risen. Grant it, Father. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, uh, I, I spoke at length, but this, I don't know that he'll do this. I don't know that he will. I'm only going to ask him. I believe if I put my life here to, on the stake and, and to stand by this word, then the best of my knowledge, I'm not sinless. I got plenty hanging on me, but every hour I confess it constantly. When I see my wrong, then I turn from that and try to do what's right. I wouldn't try to go to heaven on my merits. I wouldn't get there. I'm trusting solemnly in Jesus Christ. He is my trust. I, I, I believe in Him. I wouldn't try to go in because I'm a Pentecostal brother. I, I wouldn't go in on the merits of Pentecost. I go in on the merits of the blood of Jesus Christ. He died for me. And that's what I want you to trust the merits of Him. And then how you know you're getting there is whenever word is that you punctuate with an Amen. Amen. Because it's a word itself trying to vindicate itself. And if we deny that word, how can it vindicate itself? Now, Jesus said, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. Is that right? Now, what did he say in John 5, 19? Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing in himself but what he sees the Father doing. He passed through a, uh, a pool of Bethesda. There laid multitudes of people, maybe 20 or 30 times what's in this building tonight. There's four or 500 people maybe sitting here tonight. I don't know. But there may be that many. But maybe there's thousands. I'm understood that a multitude would mount into thousands. Now, laying there, lame, halt, blind, withered, he healed one man because he knew that man had been that way. The Father had showed him. See? Left the rest of them. See? And then he's asked that. But the Bible said, after his death, burial, and resurrection, that tonight he is a high priest. Do you believe that? Do you believe he's still alive? And is he a high priest that can be touched by the feeling of our infirmities? Well, if he is the same high priest, according to Hebrews 13, 8, then he would act the same way. Is that right? Now, may we cleanse our hearts from all sin. May we confess our wrongs. May we confess our unbelief that we've been wrong and say, Lord Jesus, here I am. I'm in need tonight. Reflect yourself into my life. Give me the faith that that woman had that touched your garment. And I'll say, Lord Jesus, I've stood by your word. That was my commission. Preach the word. I've stood by it. I want to die by it. And I've, I've stood and made some hard things because of the word. And stay there, but he's always vindicated. Now, I'm depending on him to vindicate that word. Let it throw. Let him flow through us tonight as we pray. How many in here is sick, needy, have a need of anything? Raise up your hands and say, it's me, Lord. I believe, Lord. Now, I want your undivided attention just as sweetly as you can for a few moments. If, after this message, and Christ will reflect himself in the people, 
and see that some poor soul has enough faith to touch his garment, and I can yield myself to his Spirit and know that this is the Holy Spirit, then if you belong to something else besides a group that believes this, then I'd come over to where they believe the truth. I would. I certainly would. I would believe. Because God making Himself known. Don't identify yourself now with the Pharisees and them that don't believe. Them blind. Because Jesus said, They'd see Him no more. But ye shall see Me, for I'll be with you. I'll be in you. You'll see Me. Well, if He is that same high priest, that's where you'd see Him by reflecting Himself in the same way He did then. Is that true? All right. Now, you believe with all your heart. Have faith. Don't doubt praying, and then we'll, we'll see what he said. Now, just believe with all your heart. Now, Father God, I've spoken of you and for your word. I did it in a broke-up way, Lord, I know, but it's the best I knew how. All these two weeks, I've constantly stayed with it, Lord. All my life, I've tried to stay with it. Now, Lord, honor your word tonight here as the revival is closing. Let it be known, Lord. That if we stand for that which is right, the right will stand for us. Grant it, Lord. That we believe that you become us to take our sin, that we might become you, sons of God. To reflect the Word of God, vindicated, made it manifest through our ministry life that you have given us. Grant it, Lord. We present ourselves to you now in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, just have faith, don't doubt, but believe with all your heart now. Are you believing? Everybody believe. Now, don't doubt. Just pray to yourself and have faith now. Don't doubt at all. Quiet yourself down now. Listen to what the Spirit saith unto you. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. What's she looking at me so sincerely about? You believe me to be a servant? I don't know you. I've never seen you. But just a woman sitting there looking at me. It's not exactly sickness that she's worried about. She's worried about somebody else. It's a young girl. She has just come up missing. She's left home. She's just a girl, a teenage girl. This has been made up for a long time. So far, I see no danger with her. Have faith. Believe God. He'll send her home to you. What did she touch? Now, you see the woman. I've never seen her in my life. She's total a stranger. Here's a lady sitting right back here, eyes closed, praying. She's suffering with a, a rectal trouble. And it's uh, hemorrhoids. She is uh, suffering with a heart trouble. She's going to miss it. God help us. Miss uh, Willingham, 
Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> now you receive it. <laughs> now, ask the woman. We are totally strangers. You say you called her name. What, didn't Jesus tell Simon, your name is Simon, you're the son of Jonas? Just have faith in God. Do you believe it? Now get sincere. Believe. Don't doubt. Just put your mind on God and, and believe Him. What's He doing? He's identifying Himself. He's reflecting Himself. Now, if you don't think it's right, I asked you to come to the pulpit and do the same thing. There is a, a little woman. She's sitting back here with a shawl over her head. She's Spanish. And she's praying for a daughter. That daughter doesn't live here. She's now put her hands to her face. And she is... This daughter lives where there's a lots of water, where the sea roars in San Diego. California, and she has varicose veins and complications, and she's almost to a nervous breakdown. Do you believe that your prayer then touched the hem of his garment, my little Spanish sister, and your daughter will get well? If you do, raise up your hand and accept it. All right, you can have it. It turns clearer thereby, you know. Don't doubt. Believe. That was astounding to you, wasn't it, lady? Sitting there, put your hand up to your nose, wiped your face, and said something across the aisle with a blue coat on sitting there. Yes. <laughs> all right. If you will believe with all your heart, then that heart will straighten out and won't have any more heart trouble that you've been suffering with. If that's right, stand up on your feet, though. Just witness that that's true. I'm a stranger to the lady. Amen. Do you believe? Certainly. Mm hmm Always believe. I see a rather a middle-aged man. Do you see that light amber hanging right there, pulling right over that fella? Now he's praying. He's got his head down. And uh, there's something that's just been said that attracted his attention to pray, because he's from California, too, he just said. But he's from Fresno, California. He suffers with asthma. Mr. Corral, if you believe with all your heart, you can go home and be made well, too. Amen. Believe it now. If that's right, raise your hand. Are we strangers? Raise your hand. All right? You believe? What did that man touch? He touched Jesus Christ. He's 30 feet from me. I challenge you in the name of Jesus Christ to believe that this message of the Holy Spirit in this last days is a closing out of the world's history. I challenge you to believe that I, I've taught it to you tonight. You believe that God sent me and you honor it. Not, don't honor me, but honor what He sent me for His Word. And God will grant it. Your request. I can't make him do it. But if you will believe. Here. Look here. Can't you see that? Look here. That light right here. It's right over this kind of 
heavy set woman sitting here. I don't know the woman. I've never seen her in my life. But she's sick. She's suffering. She's been to a doctor. And something, an uh, examination showed it's in the colon. It's some kind of a, like sores. No, the doctor said it's ulcers in the colon. That's right. That's right. You're not from here. You're here on a visit. Is that right? Raise up your hand. You come from Michigan. That's right. You're here to visit a son. And he's in some kind of a radio business of some sort. Your name is Mrs. Herb. Have faith in God. Go home and find it the way you want if you believe with all your heart. Do you believe or are you ready to have the dross of unbelief beat out of you? Do you believe that you can see Christ reflecting Himself the same yesterday, today, and forever? He's God. Do you believe that? Say amen if you believe it. Then put your hands over on one another. I'm going to show you His Word if you're believers. He said, These signs shall follow them that believe. If they lay their hands on the sick, they shall recover. Put your hands on one another now. Close your eyes. Bow your head. Pray for one another. You pray. It's not me. You pray. Christ out among you out there. Heavenly Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, may Christ be reflected in every life here tonight and heal the sick, Lord. We cast out every devil of unbelief that the church of Pentecost might see the reflection of Jesus Christ in their life as they have seen it this time.